Yuma per Gimel Mishnah Yud 310. In the previous Mishnah, we had mentioned how Yoshua ben Gamla had done a great service to the base of Mikdash in creating the lots that were drawn in Kippur to be gold instead of wooden. And I mentioned also how he had set up the school system in Eretz Yisrael. So here in the Mishnah Yud, we're going to talk about other people who are remembered for their great deeds and service to the Klal. Here we have, first of all, Ben Katin. He was a Kohen Gadol. Asa Shneemasar Dad Lekior. He commissioned the laver, the wash basin that the Kohanim used inside the Azara, to have 12 separate taps. Shalohayulo Elishnaim. Originally, there were just two taps, but he established it should be 12 and redid it. And the advantage of that was that since um, it's there are 12 people who needed to wash their hands for doing the entire service of the Tamit Shachar. Now there's no need to wait in line. Everyone can wash their hands and feet simultaneously and get on with things, um, and therefore there's no need to wait. If you'll ask, wait a second, we learned that there were 13 people who were involved in the that second lottery there, the people who did the Tom and Shachar activities. The answer is, well, that's true. You'll recall that the first of those 13 things is the Shechita, the slaughtering of the Tom and Shachar, and the Shechita of all Kachim can be done even by a non-Kohen, and therefore the rabbis did not require a hand-washing prior to doing shechita. So since, although there were 13 people involved, only 12 needed to wash their hands and feet, therefore they could do it all at once, and that was the innovation of the 12-tapped kior that Ben Katin established. Va'afu asa mukhni le Not only that, but he also established like a machine, a, a, a kind of a set of pulleys that would allow for the laver, that kior, to be lowered at night, um, into the water table down beneath the Azara, so that the waters contained within the Kior should not become invalidated through the psul called Lina, being left overnight, um, by being left out overnight. The basic rule is that any klisharis, a consecrated vessel used in the base of English for various things, you could put wine and oil and meat, water and so on inside these containers, so once they were put inside the Klisharis, they were invested with additional Kedusha, and that higher consecration came with a number of other Chumras, restrictions, and one of which is the invalidation called Lina, can't be left overnight. The word Lina literally means be, to, to sleep overnight, stay overnight. So the concern, the issue is that if, let's say, the water that was drawn to wash hands was left in the kior. The kior is one of the klisharis, it's a consecrated vessel, in which any water which was left overnight would become invalidated come morning time because of lina. But there's another rule, which is that water that's attached to the water table, like a mikvah would be, and a bore, um, like a pit that's you know attached to like a well, a be'era, or a mayan, to a spring, since it's attached to the water table and you have an attachment directly to the spring, which is beneath the the, the Azara there, you'll recall, of course, we have this water flowing from the Gichon, etc. So by it being inside this kind of well, it attached the spring water, so then through a principle called Hashaka, direct contact, kind of like literally kissing, of the water inside the Kior to the water beneath the Azara, it doesn't have the invalidation, it says impervious to Lina. And that's the innovation here that was established that was done by Ben Katin, that you could lower the laver into the water table and therefore not have the psul, the invalidation of Lina. Next, you have Munbaz HaMelech. So Munbaz HaMelech, it was a king, um, and it's it's uh, 
Rashi says that he was a descendant of Herod, based on other sources. Um, perhaps some say he was the son of Agrippa, who was a descendant of son of Herod. Um, but other sources, and there, and there are quite a number of them, show that uh, Munbaz was really the Munbaz the second, and he was the son of Queen Helena of a place called Adiabin. Now Hilni Amalka, um, Chadiv or Chadaiv, I guess, in in uh, in Hebrew. So um, this woman, Helena, the mother, and Munbaz, the son, are well-known converts to Judaism. They converted in the first century of the Common Era. Um, Hilni's um, sarcophagus, in which she was buried, is actually there to be seen in the Israel Museum today. Um, she converted from being Zoroastrian um, to being Jewish, as did her son. And Adiabin, Chadaiv, where she was, is um, like the northern part of Iraq and, and lapsing over a little bit to Turkey. In any case, so um, when they converted, they did a number of acts near the end of the Second Temple period to benefit the base of Mikdash, and we'll learn about what Munbaz, her son, and Hilni herself did. So the Mishnah here says, Munbaz commissioned that all of the handles of the utensils used for the service in Yom, on Yom Kippur should be um, fashioned out of gold, golden handles. And the reason why we're not going to actually have the metal of some of these things into gold is because, say, a knife, you can't have a knife that's a golden uh, knife because gold is too soft, etc. So where you couldn't make the actual utensil out of gold, at least you could make the handle. That's what he arranged. Hilni Imo, as for Queen Helene, his mother, Asta Nivresha Shel Zahav, she um, commissioned a golden chandelier, Al Pischo Shel Hegel, that was affixed to the entrance of the the Hegel, the, the sanctuary, in the temple complex. And the idea was that since it was the temples in the west and it's east-facing, so as the sun came up over the eastern horizon, it would reflect off of the chandelier, the Nebreshet, and people could see the sun had risen. As time say Kriyashma, this is very beautiful, and she set that up, and so we mention her for the good. Va'afi asa tavla shel zahav. She also arranged for there to be a golden tablet. Tavla, actually the same Latin word origin as tablet or table. So she had this like sort of this plaque or tablet, whatever it was, uh, made out of gold. She parsha sota ksuvala. And she arranged for um, the parsha about the sota to be written on it. The idea being that the sota, this woman who's suspected of being infidelitous, she there's a whole process involved part of which is to write down those curses from the Torah that mention the Sota. They're put into, like, on parchment and dissolved in the water, and she has to drink it. So, um, Hilni thought it was inappropriate to have to open up a Sefer Torah scroll itself in order to copy this down for such an unpleasant situation. So, therefore, she had a golden tablet with the Parsha on it, so that no need to actually involve the Sefer Torah proper to get these verses to write down on the parchment that the, we used for the preparation of what the Sota woman would drink. The Gemara queries how would one be allowed to write down like a partial parsha of the Torah, which is disallowed. So it answers that it was only written like in um, in shorthand. So it could be copied effectively, but not the whole parsha being written down. Fine. Now, finally, one more we have here in our, our Mishnah people being mentioned for praise is Nicanor. Nicanor Naasu Nisim Lodulosav. He had miracles wrought for his doors. The story is that this fellow Nicanor who was sent down to Alexandria in Egypt to get and commissioned to get doors uh, for the base of Mikdash. He didn't pay for these doors. He was just the person in charge of, of 
bring them back. But what happened was, on the ship coming back from Alexandria, there's a storm, and they threw one of the two doors for the gate overboard, and he was very distraught. And then the storm persisted, and they said, let's throw the other heavy bronze door over the edge. And he said, you know, not over my dead body, he tied himself to the bronze door. And uh, with that, miraculously, the the um, the storm calmed. At that point, he was rather disconcerted about having lost one of these doors, these beautiful pair of doors that was going to use the entrance of what's the eastern entrance to the to the Azara. When he arrived at Port in Akko, so miraculously they found out that the the door that threw an overboard was magically, or miraculously I should say, um, uh, trailing behind the ship. So they recovered both doors. So these two doors became named Shar Nicanor, um, after this person, Nicanor, who saved them, and they were kept there at the main, there, the primary entrance on the, uh, to the Azara, which is there on the east side. Um, and even later on, when the other doors of the base of Mektash were gilt, they were covered in gold, but Shar Nicanor stayed bronze. So these people who listed in our Mishnah and in the end of the previous Mishnah, they shall be um, remembered for praise for their donations and their efforts on behalf of the the glory of the the uh, the Jewish people and also for Shem Shemayim for the sake of heaven.